Welcome to Word of Truth. This is Doug Presley. It is 7-16-2023. We're continuing with our worship service. We'll have the thought of the week and prayer. Okay, here we have the thought of the week entitled, Our Only Resolution. To resolve the infighting among Christians around the subject of eternal security, we must have an authority to which each side must appeal. That authority is the Word of God. If we are not able to submit to the authority of God's Word, then there can be no agreement and consensus. We, will we trust the Word of God to settle the matter? God seems to think we should. Quote, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, from 2 Timothy 3.16. From this statement, we must agree that we may be wrong about a particular subject, but the right answer will be found in the Word of God. In fact, we must learn to trust the Word enough to allow it to rebuke or correct us. After all, we are focused on God's will in this matter, not our own. It is very safe to say that we will need some correction. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways. Or it should be the other way around. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. And that's taken from Isaiah 55, verse 8. And that is the thought of the week. Let me just offer a short commentary on that. Um, and I think one of the key words that sticks out to me this time is trusting. Trusting and relying. Are we trusting the authority of, of God's word to settle the matter? Um, I don't think it's that we might need it to teach us or that we might be wrong about a particular subject. I think all the answers that we need about God's will is in his word. It's not something we can imagine and then go to God's word to see if we can have it verified or validated some way. Um, very often that's the way a lot of denominations will take it. They will cherry pick the, um, the things that they want and then find justification in particular verses. But no, we must turn to all of God's word and trust the word of God to settle every matter. And now I'll turn it over to Doug for the prayer. Thank you, Doug. Thanks, Dwight. Appreciate that. Let's uh, look to the Lord in prayer. We're going to ask um, first if there are prayer requests that uh, we could we could raise. Yeah, one is Deborah's father, Jerry. Okay. All right, De Deborah's father. And his name is Jerry. Gotcha. Also, a friend of mine, Dave. Um, a different Dave. Mm -hmm. um, who, who has some serious health issues, but he's got a great spirit about them. And also, I want to put it out there again for my ex wife, um, who had all the her, her um, battle with cancer. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Gotcha. So. Uh, Jerry, Dave, and your ex-wife, Gretel. All right. Will do. All right, we're going to look to the Lord in prayer. Let's, let's bow our heads as we do. Thank you, Father, 
we're eternally grateful for all that you've given us in this life so that we could live here in this world and be representatives of you and your purpose and your cause. We thank you for life, health, and strength. We thank you, Father, that you called us from eternity past so that we could be here now at, at this time and space. We uh, recognize that Jesus Christ paid it all. Every part of his work, his provision for us, is grace. Not only our sins paid, but the righteous standing before God is his righteousness. So we, we are eternally grateful for the salvation work that has been provided for us, as well as the fact that you chose us in him before the creation of the world. So you predestined us to be adopted as sons. So Father, our hearts, as, as we see full circle now, your plan and how it all works out. We recognize that you saw us and you planned for us even before time began. So we thank you for that. Uh, and also, Father, as we <clears throat> think about uh, all the, our sojourn in the world and what we're doing here, we, we know there are troubles. And, and when we do have troubles, we take them to you. This is our habit. So, Father, we want to call out some names uh, of people who uh, have desired to lift them up before you. And that's first, uh, Deborah's father, Jerry. Lord, you know what struggles are going on in their family. So we pray for them. Uh, lift Jerry in particular up in prayer. And not only him, but the caregivers, the doctors, uh, those who are, who are seeing to his, his well-being, Father. Um, also, uh, Dave, uh, Dwight mentioned, and Lord, we may not know every detail about Dave. All we need to know is that he needs prayer. He is on the heart of one of your, your, your uh, sons. So, Father, Dave's name is lifted up. And also, Gretel's name, Father, is on our hearts this morning so so we we ask and lord we know she is struggling and going through illness so we can imagine the things that are going on in her life uh, but father you know the reality pray for comfort uh, healing father we pray that your will be done in all of the cases that we mentioned also, Father, we, we are praising and thanking you for uh, Kenny Jr., who did get the transplant, a liver transplant, uh, a couple days ago now, on the 14th. So we, everything seemed to go well according to plan and no complications. We are just thanking you, Father, and praising you for uh, what happened through all of the details, the events. So Father, we want to keep Kenny in prayer and not only Kenny, but Gail, his mother and his sister, Christina, the caregivers, uh, 
strengthen them so, so that they can continue being the caregivers. Uh, we pray for the wisdom of the doctors and nurses and all the physician's assistants, all those who are involved in not only Kenny's and Gail's case, but um, all that we mentioned already. We also pray for Mike Presley and his family in particular as well. We lift him up in a special way, Father. We know he's going through a lot right now. We pray for healing, for comfort, well-being as he endures what he must, he knows he must do. But we thank you for Michael and Deborah and Tanea and ask that you continue to watch over their family and give them uh, the wisdom and, and, and the knowledge they need and the doctors that they need to continue to care for Michael. So, Father, there are many others to mention, Fred in particular, who's still healing from surgery, and Deborah. Uh, I, I said Deborah, but I also meant Brenda as well, Father. Uh, you know all the different things going on in their lives. We pray for them. We pray for Dad, who continues to, we, to recover. We pray uh, in every way for for him you know exactly what he needs father and you have been providing for him we have continued continue care for him uh, so we thank you for that provision as well so as we open your word father and we <clears throat> continue to pray for all of our loved ones all of those who are associated and the Myers family and the Sneed family and the Herrick family, all, all of those who are associated with, with uh, this church. And we pray, uh, Father, for wisdom and that wisdom that was destined for our glory before time began. We pray that we would not only come to know it, but that we will experience it as we live in this world. And that you would give us that wisdom so that we can know you better. All of this we ask in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. All right. We are getting into where we are in Galatians chapter 2. This is where we are. Uh, I'll just read some scripture to catch us up to where we are in the context. Stand by. When Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James, he used to eat with the Gentiles. But when they arrived, he began to draw back and separate himself from the Gentiles because he was afraid of those who belonged to the circumcision group. The other Jews joined him in his hypocrisy so that by their hypocrisy, even Barnabas was led astray. When I saw that they were not acting in line with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas in front of them all, You are a Jew, and yet you live like a Gentile, and not like a Jew. How is it, then, that you force Gentiles to follow Jewish customs? We who are Jews by birth and not sinful Gentiles know that a person is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. 
So we, too, have put our faith in Christ Jesus, that we might be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law. Because by the works of the law, no one will be justified. But if, in seeking to be justified, we Jews find ourselves among the sinners, doesn't that mean that Christ promotes sin? Absolutely not. If I rebuild what I destroyed, then I would really be a lawbreaker. For through the law, I died to the law so that I might live for God. So this is where we are, verse 19. We'll see if we get there. We do have some finishing up to do in verse 18. So we're going to move right down in our notes to verse 18. If I rebuild what I destroyed, uh, let me see, yeah. If I rebuild what I destroyed, then I really would be a lawbreaker. Let's get into it. I'm gonna just pick up at point C really quickly to do some review, but we are going to move forward. They continue to compromise and give cultural religion a place in their lives. So we need to understand that religion is not our friend. So even though we all came up through religion or some religious ideology or understanding, we all did. But we have to see that God is reaching out to us. And he will do it from wherever he can find us. Where he finds us is our religious culture or it could just be your culture whatever it is some people say well I never believed in God we don't come from, none of us believed in God okay but that's your belief that's your culture you came from that so God will reach into that and he will find you he will witness to you and this is what he does so but where he found us it's not necessarily who he is he is reaching out to us to bring us to the place where we have some knowledge and understanding about who he is. He's got to reveal himself to us. So that's his objective, is to reveal himself to us. Now, we're in this particular age. We have some things. So, But the religion is always our enemy. In fact, in Romans 11, the organized... Uh, religion, which was Judaism, uh, was said, Paul said, as far as the gospel is concerned, they are enemies. And we should know that in the early church, there was no doubt about it. Well, first they put Christ to death. Then they persecuted all the disciples or, who became the apostles. They were persecuted. And in fact, we have the story of them being in the upper room, hiding. When Jesus came, and after he was resurrected, he appeared to them. And they were in a room. And why were they hiding? Because, because and the door was locked. And why? Because they were afraid of the Jews. So there's not any question about what they can do. The, the persecution from religions and religious people are is evident in this world, we should know. So <clears throat> I don't think we should owe them anything. Once we come to understand who God is, 
we don't have to owe them any allegiance. We don't have to give them the authority over our lives. We now know who God is and we should worship God in spirit and in truth according to the way he would have us worship, not what our culture dictates. Now, of course, this is evolution for many. I understand that. I understand that people are given to their culture and they see their culture as God. But we have the revelation. God's word has been preserved for us so we can know what his revelation is. And not only his word, but we have his spirit, which comes on the inside of us to say, here's the way, walk in it. Here's what this means. Understand it and believe it this way. We have the spirit of truth. So I'll just go through these quickly. Even though Jesus opposed the leadership openly, so they allowed religion to have a foothold in their lives, even though they knew better. They really knew better. They knew that they were the opposition. They knew that they were enemies. Well, they, they crucified their Lord. Why should they have any allegiance in our lives, our spiritual lives? So they knew, um, I mean, and Jesus didn't have any problem opposing them when he was here. Matthew 23, we read that. Point two, even though Jesus established a new and living way, he did. We, we, we studied it when we went through John chapter 14 through 17. We saw Jesus establishing a new order, a new way, and it wasn't according to Israel. Three, even though religion crucified the Lord publicly. They did. They made a public spectacle of him. They did it, and God turned that thing around because that's where he judged the sins of the world in Christ. But even still, they instigated to get him on the cross. It was their evil thinking that led him to the cross, that bound him and nailed him to the cross. So they are not the friend of God um, for what they did. They proved that they were against God, that they were in opposition to God. <clears throat> they, and that, and not, not only did they do that to the Lord, but they persecuted the apostles as well. They followed them around. Well, we know, I already said, the Apostle Paul was on his way to Damascus. Not the Apostle Paul. Saul, the Pharisee, was on his way to Damascus to, to arrest Christians. All right, so we'll talk about enemy. Well, there it is right there. Five. Even though they are enemies of the gospel, Romans eleven twenty eight. that's what it says. They are enemies of the gospel. But yet, somehow, we think organized religion in this way. I'm not saying organized religion from the standpoint of local churches. A local church is legit. It is all about what they teach that may not be legit. And when I say legit, that means according to the word of truth, right? It's not just legit according to what we think or our cultural way of understanding, but it's according to what the word of God tells us uh, about who we are in this age and what is the purpose that he called us. That is what equates to legit, okay? <clears throat> so 
6, even though God demonstrated the new way by signs, wonders, and miracles. And that's a big one. I mean, we could wonder if God, if this is the way or that is the way, or this person has a good point to make, or that person has a good uh, argument. Well, God demonstrated which way it was. There's no question about which way it is. For instance, we're in the book of Galatians. This is a declaration of the way. And where people tried to stray from this way, God said, no, 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 this is the way. And we know that God's apostles are accredited with the signs, ones, and miracles. We, so we know God is with them. We know that they are there to represent God and his interests. So, so there's no question. I mean, this is uh, signs, wonders, and miracles. It is beyond human understanding or reasoning or even power. God demonstrated, he, I'm here. I'm here. Point seven. Even though they know better. So, so, so in other words, Peter, in his struggles, all that he's been through, he knew better. Peter's the one that's after he was beaten and you know they arrested them in the, in the public square for doing for preaching about Christ he knew that he says we ought to obey God rather than man when when he, they told him okay we're going to let you go now but don't you go out here preaching this Jesus anymore and he says well <laughs> we we ought to obey God rather than man we are not going to abide by your rule we're going to go out here and do what we know God has called us to do. So I'm saying we ought to have that resolve as well. We should have the thought that we are here because of God. Now, this is an evolution, as I said already. And I recognize and respect that wherever you are in, the, in this process, but I'm only saying even if wherever you are, this is the goal, that we're here for God. We're here for his purposes. If you're not there, so be it. You could work that out with God. This is what it means. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. You know you're here under the auspices of God. Work out your salvation with with fear and trembling, knowing who you're dealing with. This this purpose is the highest purpose in in <laughs> that God. This is the purpose God created all things. Let's keep going. So this point seven is, I already said, even though they know better, Peter knew better. He knew better about what the Gentiles were. He knew that they weren't under the Mosaic law, even told them as much. He says, we're not going to put that on the Gentiles. How could we possibly do that? No way. We're, under, we're saved by grace just as they are. So there's no difference between us and them. He understood all that, but yet he separated himself from those Gentiles when the circumcision group came. I have to say that there was some respect that he was given them that I think was undue, that it was not due them. He was given some, he was, he was given deference to them when he really should not have. If they recoiled that Peter's sitting and fellowshipping with the Gentiles, then they're the ones with the problem. Not Peter and the other ones and even Barnabas. They're the problem, the circumcision group. That's who need to be straightened out. And Paul did it. 
He did it. He took the time to say, okay, let's get this. Let's do this. Let's not let this moment pass. We got the circumcision group here, and we got people who have caved into their thinking, and we're not going to allow this. We're going to set the record straight. I'm thankful that that was done. Point D, let's keep moving. This is where we are. This is the verse. I, if I rebuild what, what I destroyed, then I really would be a lawbreaker. Well, what did he destroy? What I destroyed, we cannot serve God from the Mosaic law. We just cannot serve God from the Mosaic law. Why? Well, this, the new dispensation is a new purpose and is contrary to the previous way. I'm not talking about salvation. I know that most people in the Christian life have looked at salvation as the same thing as living. So even though if you look in theology, they talk about, well, you know, salvation is one thing and sanctification is the work of a lifetime. You know, sanctification is another thing. But they think what they don't tell you is if you're not successful at sanctification, you probably won't be saved in the end. So they're saying you got to give your life and submit your life and repent and always be in an attitude of keeping some commandments and laws. And if you don't, then you won't get salvation in the end. And that's the way the Jews thought about it. The Jews said, yeah, I believe in Christ. Oh, circ that circumcision group, they believed in Christ, but you know what they, and God saved. But you know what they didn't do? They didn't reject the Mosaic Law because the Mosaic Law and the big lie was that you could keep the law as a, me as a means of justification before God. So it wasn't like, oh, okay, I, I kept the law once. You had to keep the law ongoing. You had to continue to keep the law. You didn't just keep the law one day and say, well, I did everything the law said today, so therefore I'm justified. Nope. It was ongoing justification. They had to continue to keep the law for the rest of their lives. And if they didn't, they wouldn't consider themselves justified. Justified is synonymous with salvation, okay? Just know. So where we are is a new dispensation. We're not Israel. We're not under the law. From that perspective. We have a different purpose. They were God's earthly people. They are of the world. We are not. We belong somewhere else. It says we are of heaven. We are not of the world anymore than Jesus is saying he is of the world. He died and is separated from the world. And But he's, death doesn't mean cessation of life. Death means transfer of your consciousness from one place to another. You still have the same consciousness. Uh, Jesus still had the same consciousness, except he departed from this life. He's no longer of this world. He is, oh, this is not who, where he is anymore. He's somewhere else. And so it is with us. If we depart, same thing. So Paul's saying, I've been destroying that the church is under the Mosaic Law. I've been working to destroy that, that false premise. That's not true. And I'm doing my best 
to, to be in opposition to that principle. So why would I now give in to doing these things or to submitting to false things that the Jews had when they tried to keep the law as a means of justification for life? Why should I submit to those rules and standards that they developed devoid of the spirit of truth? Why should I? They, now, just think, the, the Apostle Paul was a Pharisee. He knew very well what all of those things were, all those distinctions that they made in darkness because they were resisting the Holy Spirit. He knew very well. But now he, that he understands and now he's in opposition to that way of thinking, he's under, he, he knows what it is to be in Christ and that there is no Jew or Gentile. He understands that and he accepts it, he believes it, and he loves it. He loves the Father's plan. So it's a new purpose, new way of life. Point E, Paul did not only teach that Jesus is the Christ, but he also taught the new dispensation. So when we look at uh, Ephesians 6, 19 and 20, it talks about it from the, the standpoint that Paul was willing to give his life for this. This is what he's saying. Uh, Ephesians 6, 19 and 20, pray also for me that whenever I speak words, words may be given me so that I'm, I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. Paul is asking for prayer so he could boldly, fearlessly speak the, the mystery, not be afraid. And this is where it is. A lot of people today are afraid. They know they have something that they believe that is different from the established religious order of the day. They know it's something different, but they refuse to, to fearlessly, boldly declare it. And guess what? We have the Word of God on our side. We don't have religion. We have the Word of God. We know that Jesus is the Christ. We know that he established a new way through signs, wonders, and miracles. We know that he died and rose again and came back and showed us, yes, this is the way. And his Spirit has come, just like he said, the Spirit of truth. We know that we're walking in the way that he is carved out in this world for us. In this world, we will have trouble. What is trouble? Opposition, persecution. We know it. So Paul's saying, pray for me, because that's the battle. When he talks about, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principles. This is the battle, right here. Don't look at Hollywood and say, oh, well, the demons are coming up out of the floor and all these things, and they are all weird looking. That's not the battle. This is the battle. This is what doctrines of demons uh, that we are fighting. It's right here. Paul said, make it known. Pray for me. I'm on the battle. I'm on the front lines here. Pray for me that I can do this. Now, obviously, we're praying for something that Paul would have. We ought to be praying if we don't have it. Praying for ourselves. Lord, give me wisdom. Give me the fearlessness. Give me the courage to be able to represent you in this world. That's what we should be saying to God. 
for ourselves. If we're not, are we on the battlefield? Are we on the front lines? Are we in the background like Peter, cowering in fear, giving some religious authority to these religious people who think they know the way? Who think they know the way? And are willing to kill for it. As we saw, they demonstrated this. It's not hypothetical. They did it. They killed Christ. And they killed the apostles and persecuted many for following the way. This is not a question. Paul said they were they are enemies for your sakes. But yet here they come walking around. I would bet they had nice clothes and robes on and it looked very distinguished and all that. And yet they were wrong. Touting false way a way of living. Trying to get people to to disregard the new dispensation and go back under the Mosaic law. Not understanding the Father's purpose. In opposition to it. Paul, it says that when, that in Acts 15, it says, when they said that, Paul and Barnabas were in sharp dispute with them. I mean, it wasn't like, well, you know, we have a lot in common. Let's talk about Let's talk about what we do. No, they were in sharp dispute. They were not even close in terms of theology. So in, in the same way now, when we talk about religion and we talk about the grace way and religion, it's, it's not even close. Somebody might say, well, we do the same things. No, we don't. We don't do the same things for the same reasons. It's a world of difference. Let's keep going in our notes because... We saw Paul's thought there of the battle that we are in. Some people are not in the battle. They're in the background. And as I said, God doesn't send children out to battle. If you're a child, you're supposed to stay home. Point F. Many Jews, what do we mean by Jews here? They're called the circumcision group. Followed the spirit. Listen, the circumcision group. That's kind of, that's interesting. That that they are tagged. Paul tagged them with that name. It's like the circumcision group. They're the ones that are troubling us here. Anyway, many Jews followed the spirit in believing that Jesus is the Christ, but refused to follow the spirit of truth in the new dispensation. How did they refuse? What was their? What did it look like on the ground? Their refusal. Well, they said that we're under the Mosaic law. We're trying to come. The the Gentiles that are presented to us, we're trying to convert them to uh, Judaism. We're we're saying no. God did not create a new. No, He did not demonstrate it by signs, wonders, and miracles. He did not. We didn't, he did not usher us into a new dispensation. That's what they're saying. All this th- baptism of the Spirit, this church stuff that you guys are talking, all this stuff, wrong. You just get yourself, and if you want to be part of us, then you need to be circumcised, and you need to keep the Mosaic Law. That's what they, their thought was. Rejecting the whole thought of who Jesus was, and and what he wanted, what he said about the spirit of truth coming and how things would be different. Rejecting all that. 
said, no, we, we, we reject that. So they ref it looks like this, refusal to follow the spirit of truth in the new dispensation. So somebody, somebody might say, well, we believe in the rapture, and we believe in this, and we, but yeah, but then everything else, they believe, they don't want to talk about it, to develop the wisdom that was destined for our glory before time began. They would rather develop the wisdom of the Mosaic Law. Everything they do is talk about the Mosaic Law. So they're resisting the spirit of truth in that way. So point, that was point uh, F. G, the law is not and never was a means of justification. It was not and never was. Guess what? In, in, in human thinking, it is. <laughs> if you do what's right, people, we think, well, I got that right. I'm doing what's right. We feel self-justified by doing what we say is right or truth. But it ne the law was never a means of justification. How could it be when we're already condemned at birth? The law is not going to justify us if we're already condemned. We already have a sin nature. And what can we do as those who have a sin nature? We sin. That's what we do. And then we are dead to God. That means we're separated. We're not born children of God, not unless we're born again. So uh, the law was never a means of justification. It was never a means of justification before or after salvation by grace. That, that is what we have to come let and, and listen to me when I say in parentheses, let the accusations of lawlessness come and they will come. You know what they're going to be? Oh, what are you trying to say? How are we going to be policed? How is God going to control us if, if we don't do what he wants to, us to do? How is there any order to our lives? Where's the justice in this? This is how they will say, we're lawless. Oh, you're promoting lawlessness. I never tell anybody to go out and indulge their sin nature. Never have. In all my years of following Christ, never have told anybody to go out and be sinful. Have you? I would hope you have not, because that would be wrong to do. We don't promote lawlessness because we believe in grace. That's, an, that's some thing that they're proposing that we need the law. What they're saying is we need the law to show Christ that we're, we belong to God. We need the law, they're saying. We don't need the law. God already knows the moment you believe in Christ, you are justified. You're saved. You have eternal life. All your sins were judged 2,000 years ago when Christ died on the cross. They were judged. And the Father is satisfied with the work of Christ. He was satisfied then. He's satisfied with the work of Christ now. No question about it. So the law is not and never was a means of justification before or after salvation by grace. So that means your conduct is not an issue in salvation. Well, God says it's not of yourselves, it's the gift of God, not of works. I mean, what else could he say? It's not by works done in righteousness. 
what else could he say to let us know that it's not about our conduct? It's grace. I think he said it all. What should he have said if he really meant that <laughs> we could go down that road? It's ridiculous. How many ways can he say it? It's, it's not about what they see. It's about what their heart condition is. They resist the spirit of truth. As long as that happens, that's where they'll be. Point H. We should learn to stop acting in ways that contradict what is in our heart for any reason, right? We should be transparent. We, if, if we know it's grace, we understand what grace is, then we should begin to behave that way. Stop looking at religious people and saying, oh, you know, they got a point there. They don't have a point. They don't understand. Even if they say the same thing that makes sense to you, they don't have the same foundation that you do. They're not doing things for the same reasonings and for the same purposes that you are. So you're not like them. You're going in different directions. And all you're talking about is what's on the surface of things. So if you be transformed by the renewing of your mind, the true way, the true foundation, and the true direction is in your heart. And then all I'm saying is behave that way. And don't think, oh, well, I know grace and I, I know. No, don't think you can't be coerced into fear. You can. You saw the apostle Peter did. Oh, so you think you just, you know, we learned by his, his behavior. That's why the Holy Spirit put it in here for us, preserved this story for us. So we can know and be warned that we could give in to fear as well. Don't think it can't happen. We have all failed in this area, whether we want to admit it or not. If you've been out there in the marketplace witnessing, you know what I'm talking about. You know. So now I'm telling you, have courage. Be of good courage. Like it says in 2 Corinthians, because of this, we are very bold, Paul says. <laughs> We're bold about what we believe because we know that God is behind it. We know it. We need, we need to learn to have confidence. And that's okay. Confidence is not arrogance. Confidence is where God has testified to us. We know we're following the spirit of truth. We understand what the purpose that he was given to us for. We understand the Father's eternal purpose. We know who Christ is and that he is the Lord and that his mind is the mind of Christ, which is that he received from the Father. Point I. He says, if I rebuild what I was trying to destroy, he says, then I would be a lawbreaker. Hear that lightning? We don't want to be a lawbreaker. <laughs> then I would be a lawbreaker. Then Paul's behavior, what he's saying is, if I go against my own self, what I know in my heart to be, then I would be a lawbreaker. Paul is saying, his behavior would be dishonest, by saying this, dishonest, hypocritical, and misleading to the Lord, Acts 9.4. I'm going to look at Acts 9.4 in this regard. Let's look at it. <clears throat> so it just says, He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, 
Saul, why do you persecute me? This is the Lord Jesus talking to Saul on the Damascus road. <coughs> so his behavior would be dishonest. Well, Paul was on the other side. He was in opposition to the Lord. Why would he go back now and rebuild what he destroyed? He knows the truth now. Why would he go back on that? Paul had an encounter with the Lord, and he's saying, he could, he could have said, hey, I, I will do this, because he saw even Barnabas do it, and Peter and others. He could have given in to fear, but he says, no, this is, he's giving you his thinking, no, if I did this, I would be in the wrong. I'd be a lawbreaker. That's what a lawbreaker is, being dishonest to the Lord, who is, we are under Christ. He's not going to do that. He's not going to be hypocritical like they were. He's not going to be misleading to the Lord. That's not, not at all what he would be. Let's continue. So that was, we have, a, yeah, we got maybe another, we'll, we'll go into a couple of these points and then we're going to have to end. But we're going into Galatians 2.19. For through the law, I died to the law so that I might live for God. So <clears throat> this first thought here is uh, that we need to talk about the law. Let's talk about the law. You know, we're doing a lot of talking about the law. I just want to establish and document some things about the law. I did this in 10 points. It seems like it could have been more, and it will be more, ultimately, as we think about it. I just, we need, if you're confused about the law, What's your response to the law? What's your responsibility to the law? What about lawlessness? What, what about all that? You need these 10 points. It, it's important to you. So, one, there are two ways to look at the law, first of all. So let's talk about the law. There are two reasons we are not under the Mosaic law. The two major ways of thinking about it. Let's look at them. Let's start with point number one. The law used is used as a minister of death and condemnation. Should be the law used as should be wow. I think the lightning and thunder is happening as we're here. So if you hear some booms in the background, it's not fireworks. It's not God speaking to me. <laughs> this is, we're having a storm here. So anyway, point number one, the law used as a minister of death and condemnation. All right, th this is one of the ways the law is used. Right? So when we talk about the law, I just need everybody to be on the same page because we, it could be a little tricky, but I just want everybody to understand what I mean. So uh, in this role, the law is used to magnify the bad news. It shows us that we need a savior. Everyone in Adam is under the law. And there are some scriptures, 2 Corinthians 3, 7 through 9, it says that the law is the minister of death. It, it is the minister of condemnation. 
right? That was written and engraved in letters on stone. What's he talking about? He's talking about the, the Mosaic law. It was for Israel. But in this sense, it's a declaration to the entire world, everybody, that they need a savior, that we're all born in Adam, dead in, in our trespasses and sins, as sinners condemned and separated from God. We need to understand the bad news before we can understand the good news. The law is a minister or helper in that regard. And then there's Romans 3, 19 and 20. I'll read that. Uh, we already read 2 Corinthians 3, 7 through 9 last week. <clears throat> so Romans 3, 19 says, We know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be silenced and the whole world held accountable to God. So we know that in this regard, Especially when he's talking about there's none righteous, not even one. It's Jew and Gentile alike or under sin, right? So, so there's none who do good. It's none. Who, so right on the heels of saying all of that, he tells us that the law was given not to correct that situation. Can't the law can't correct correct that? Verse nineteen, whatever the law says, it can't correct all that. But it tells us that we're dead before God. It tells us that we need a savior. And we don't have anything to say. The whole mouth, the world will make, um, every mouth will be silenced means we can't say anything to God in the state we're in. There's no good that we can do. There's nothing we can do to justify or recommend ourselves to God. And the law can't help us. That's why in, in verse 20 it says, therefore, no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of sin. There it is. It shows us who we really are. It's like a mirror. Look, We look in the mirror, we're like, oh, we're dead. We have a sin nature. Oh, oh we're unrighteous. Oh, we're condemned. Right? The law will tell us that. It's supposed to, but arrogance gets mixed in and people think, well, then I could keep that law and then I'll be justified. No, that's wrong thinking. It's arrogant thinking. When God already told us there's nothing we can do, right? The law shows us that's one role of the law. And then if we look at uh, <clears throat> Romans, all, uh, all of Romans 5, just declares that to us, that it is not between us, it's between Adam and Christ and what they did, what God did in Adam, how through one man sin into the world and death through sin, and then through Christ, he, God fixed it, right? The bad news in Adam, the good news in Christ, right? That's all, that's all the one, right? And then point number two, <clears throat> the law is, is used as a way of life for Israel. And, and notice, this is only for the calling of Israel as a nation. That's it. It's not, no Gentile nations were under the Mosaic law. None. The whole world was not under the Mosaic law in this regard. It was used as a way of life. Now, it doesn't mean that the Jews could be saved by keeping the law. We already just saw that. They can't. 
are Jews, are, are we Jews any, be any better? Do we have any advantage? Not at all. Jews and Gentiles alike are all under sin. That's Romans 3, 9. That's where he kicked it off at. Tell us about how our true condition. None righteous, none do good, none altogether worthless. That's you, do You who have the law. That's you. you you're not righteous before God. you got to come the same way as everybody else. So, so this way that the law is used, it was used as for Israel. So there was a lot of things in the law, not just by, like, just be careful not to sin. It was a lot of things in the law about how to live, how God wants you as a nation, the nation Israel, to live. There's all things in the law about how Israel will function as a nation. It's not just where, where people today are saying, well, we're under the Mosaic Law. That's ridiculous. We are not under the Mosaic Law. We're not a nation. We can't, if you look in the Mosaic Law, you'll see all kinds of laws, civil laws, social laws, laws of, if there's an outbreak or if there's a military, how does the military function? How do they manage their their lives under the law. What what about crime? How do we handle it? All of that is con, is contained in the Mosaic Law for the nation Israel. And Israel was supposed to be God's priest nation, God's nation that He designed from Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob for the this a special calling. God chose this nation through those choices that he made through Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And now he called them out into the desert, gave them his law. They became a nation that day under the covenant that God had created for them. They became a nation. Just like the United States of America or Great Britain, right? Or whatever other nation you can think of. I'm just throwing a couple out there. They are a nation unto God, but before God, in this world. And the way of life for the Israel, Israelite, is the Mosaic law. God had a whole religious system, the order of the priests and the tribes, and all of that was around the nation Israel. So, so just trying to make sure we understand these things. Those two reasons are how the law is to be seen. One, it helps us to understand. Uh, this, in the first point in Romans chapter 5, um, I didn't finish putting this here, but Romans 5, really, you should be 5. Just, just correct your notes here, where it's 20, uh, five, it should be 520. And I'll read it. Correct me in my notes. It says, The law was brought in so that the trespass might increase. But where sin increased, grace increased all the more. So the law was brought in. It wasn't so God is saying, in this way of looking at the law, He used it to magnify the fact that we are do need a savior. That we can't 
do it on our own, that there is none righteous, all that. I'm just saying that that's the, as I look at it in my notes, I didn't complete. It was five semicolon. I should have said five colon 20 because it's chapter five, verse 20. So two ways. Now we're going to talk about there's eight more points to consider just to clarify those two points. We'll get to those next week. But in this time, I just want to make sure we understand there are two ways to look at the law. One is a minister of death and condemnation. So someone says, we are under the law. Then what are we talking about here? Because there's two ways to think about it. Are we the nation Israel? No, we're not. We're not under the law. We're not a nation. And as we're going to see, that Israel has a different purpose than we do. So certainly we're not under the Mosaic law. We're not Israel. So we shouldn't be try to behave as Israel. Because God has a new way of life for us, new dynamics, new assets that he has provided for us through the ministries of the Spirit and other ways. How can we, and not only just that, new assets, but new information. The eternal purpose of the Father was hid from Israel, hid from uh, angels, hid in God, and now it is revealed to us. What do you think? He wants us to go back and try to be Israelites when he has given us this new purpose? No. <laughs> Stop it. Don't go back to Israel. God has something for you. This is wisdom, as I said, or have been saying, that has been destined for our glory before time began. That's in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Let's, uh, let's end. I know we can get more next week. God willing, we'll be here. And we'll finish these points out as well. Let's, let's bow our heads. Thank you, Father, for this time we had this morning we thank you for the wisdom that is in that is in these verses we, we have, that have been before us that we've covered. So we thank you, Father. Continue to lead and guide us. Challenge us in our thinking. Challenge our religious culture so that we can come to the knowledge of the truth. And not only that, that we walk according to those things in this world. All of this we ask in Christ's name, amen.